morning. Glad to see everybody here today and appreciate the opportunity to present the lesson this morning in Mitch's absence. You have to be in this position, someone filling in for Mitch, to truly appreciate the comments that uh, some of our brethren give you before you get up here. Um, they're all encouraging, but it's usually along the lines of, you know, like, uh, don't break a leg, or was it break a leg, or break an arm, or something of that nature, or a lot of good-hearted, uh, brotherly kidding this morning. And, and as I was sitting there next to Josh, he informed me that I had missed a spot shaving. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> that was after I already cut myself shaving this morning, so I was uh, a little uh, nervous, probably. Appreciate the song that we just sang about heaven. It's one of my favorite hymns, and appreciate Paul leading that. I want us to think about heaven this morning. Uh, it's something that's been on my mind more for some reason recently. In the reading that Josh uh, had there, if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be referring to that a few times this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 18, there's a very important verse for us to remember as we go through this life here on earth. When Paul says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to show you some pictures as we start this morning. You know, picture's worth a thousand words, so I thought I could probably knock off about ten minutes of the lesson this morning if I just showed you what I wanted you to think about. Everyone's going to have a different reaction to what you see because we all have our own experiences in life. Obviously, a beautiful picture of God's creation. I love looking at architecture when I see that, I just think of all the, the intelligence and design and engineering that someone had to be able to build this. Well, there's something I really like. Maybe some of, some of you also, something I know I'll probably never be able to drive, certainly will never have, but I can definitely admire that. And it kind of gets, uh, I love looking at that when I, if I happen to see somebody driving on the road. We think about times with our family. And these are all beautiful, wonderful things from this world, aren't they? Nature, family, buildings, possessions of any kind. And they're good. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But we also see things like this, don't we? Natural disasters and the devastation and the lives that are never the same. War has been with us since almost the, founding, the beginning of the time. Still going on. People who lose their limbs, the children who lose their parents. This is Haiti, by the way. It's how a lot of people in the world live every day. And we also know that mankind has done a lot of devastation to God's beautiful world. 
I just want us to, to think about these things because these are the things that are seen. These are the things that we see. And the truth of the matter is, there is an unseen realm. Our eyes really deceive us every day. We think we're really seeing what's, what's out there. We're seeing nature, we're seeing our families, we're seeing problems. But that's really not reality for a Christian. Paul also says in our text in verse 16, we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There is an outward man. The outward, and that's what we see in these pictures. That's what we see all the time. But there is an inner man, an inner part of us as well. We see in this world, beginning in verse, uh, verse 8 of our text, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, he says, We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. There's a lot of bad things that happen. There's a lot of negative things that we endure, but there's also the good. And that's what living life here on earth is really about. There's so many good things and there's a lot of bad things. And what God calls us to do is to focus on what's real. So I, after seeing those pictures, ask the question, do you want to go to heaven? Because that's a very important question, is it not? The, the first set of pictures of all the beautiful things, that makes me think, you know, my life's really not so bad. I wouldn't say I have heaven on earth, but I would say, you know, there's so much good. And I, I don't really think about heaven because I've got a wonderful family, a nice, comfortable home. I, I have nothing that I'm in need of. And really, it's not that I say, I don't want to go to heaven. I just don't always think about it very much. It doesn't really occur to me. I think what... Paul said was, was kind of accurate. I think a lot, I've talked a lot of, to people about how to get to heaven. But not really a lot about what's so important about that. And why would we want to go there? You know, we really talk about what's important to us, don't we? We talk about those things in those pictures. We talk about our families. We talk about our jobs. We talk about our house. We talk about our cars. Uh, we talk about politics, we talk about the wars, we talk about the disasters and the personal problems. And all of these things we talk about. And it's really what we're thinking about. But I don't ever really stop and talk a lot to people about heaven. This last week I actually did talk to a contractor. We've had a little uh, project at our house. Uh, it was supposed to take three weeks. Now we're in been 10 weeks, and uh, it's going, getting there. We're getting down to the part where you know you talk about details and trim work and things like that, and he's showing me some stuff he did, and we were kind of, mm, not sure if we like what he did. And we, I was there alone with him trying to relay these things to Tina. And the more I was talking with this guy, I was like, you know what? This world is not my home. I really don't think I care what piece of trim is on this door or that door. 
If I was to die next week, I don't really want to spend a couple of hours of my life today talking about that. And he's like, that's good. You're right. So we just, Tina and I decided we're just going to do what he said. Let's just go with the flow. You know, we can see in these things of life something eternal. I see a lot of God's gifts. I'm reminded of God's power when I'm out in nature. I see the beautiful landscape. I think of the power that God has, and I see how he's helping me get to heaven and so many wonderful gifts and blessings and the cup just overflowing. And I do, I think about God. And also in those negative things, I can see, you know what, won't it be nice when we don't have to live in this world? You know, it is so sad, and it makes me sad when we talk about Brother McDonald. I almost uh, get a cry when I hear what he's going through. And anyone that's dealing with cancer. And we want them, I want them to get well. I want them to be healed. But the reality we all know is, right? This world is temporary, and we're all going to die. And what's on the other side is so much better. Amen. Do we want to go to heaven? I want to talk about a couple of things about what it will take to get to heaven. You know, it's funny how when you put these PowerPoints together, they're a certain way, but when you get up in front of a crowd, they're totally different. So this is, uh, this is the right screen, but it's coming up different than I thought it would. But that's okay. It's really good. Maybe you can see the whole picture at once. If we're going to be, if we're going to go to heaven, we've got to be a disciple of Jesus. We've got to be a follower of Jesus. And I just want to say, first of all, there's a cost to that. It's going to cost something to go to heaven. Now, we know what it cost God, His only begotten Son, the greatest gift that could have ever been given, the most valuable thing in heaven, the Son of God. And it's, if it costs God something, the Bible tells us it's going to cost us something. And that means I have to put Jesus first. I have to put Jesus before myself. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Luke 9, 23 and 24. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I have to put Jesus, I have to put spiritual things ahead of my own wants. I have to put Jesus even before my family. And I don't want to put anything before my family. My family is one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave me. But yet Jesus tells us that we have to put him before that. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus comes before our family. And Jesus comes before the world or success in the world or the things that the world could offer us. Well, we're here in Luke 14, down in verse 33. 
So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And chapter 9 of Luke, and verse 27. But I tell you truly, there are some... Excuse me, that's not the right one. I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Okay, verse 25, that's my problem. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? So before the world or anything we can get out of the world, Jesus comes first. And putting Jesus first means that we're going to suffer. That first set of pictures, those wonderful things there. We have to be willing to give all that up. We have to be willing to sacrifice all of those things for the sake of Jesus. We have to bear our cross, Luke 14, 27. We have to endure persecution, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have heard a lot and spoken a lot, I guess, in the last couple years about persecution of Christians. And I think we all understand we're really not being persecuted yet to the point that we have seen many others endure. But even if we are, Jesus says, endure that for me. And the struggle with or the struggle against sin, as Paul says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Because there is a struggle with sin. A lot of people living in the world don't struggle with sin because they don't understand that they're committing sin. But we as Christians understand when we're committing sin, and we can't do that. We have to repent and turn from that if we want to go to heaven. So discipleship is going to cost us something if we're wanting to go to heaven. But there are rewards. There are rewards. The Apostle Paul talks about his, some of his hardships in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read that. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Are they they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides these, the other things which comes upon me, my deep concern for all the churches. Wow. 
everything that Paul went through. And why did he do that? I think it's because he realized there are rewards to doing that. There is a reward to being a faithful Christian, and he outlines some of them in other of his writings. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Paul talks about a house not made with hands. Second Corinthians 5 verse 1, For we know if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, in other words, our body, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is what is awaiting us. We have the rich grace of God, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The ages to come, I think he's referring to the age that will follow this one. After the judgment, we'll have the riches of God's grace. He talks about a transformation, a glorious transformation in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from where we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We're not really citizens of the United States. That's the scene. We're really citizens of heaven right now. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. And a crown and a kingdom. Verses 17 and 18 of this same text. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work to preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So there's a cost to being a disciple and there's a reward to being a disciple. And really, one of my favorite verses is Romans 8, verse 18. Reminding us of what is really important. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hard to know how wonderful and beautiful and awesome the heavenly home is going to be. But we know one thing, that all of the suffering or all of the pain and all of the sacrifice that we will have to make as a disciple is worth it. There's a song in our, our hymnals, 253. We're not going to sing it. But I had asked Paul if he could lead it, and he said he wasn't that familiar with it. 
So what I thought we would do is, before we extend the invitation, is just, we'll just read it. Because really, singing isn't just about the music, it's also about the message. And I guess maybe I'm showing my age a little bit. I, I remember singing this song all the time, but uh, it's a wonderful song. Often I'm hindered on my way, burden so heavy I almost fall. Then I hear Jesus sweetly say, heaven will surely be worth it all. Many of the trials, toils, and tears, many a heartache may hear of Paul. But the dear Lord so truly says, heaven will surely be worth it all. Toiling in pain I will endure till I shall hear the death angel call. Jesus has promised, and I'm sure, heaven will surely be worth it all. Heaven will surely be worth it all, worth all the sorrows that here befall. After this life with all its strife, heaven will surely be worth it all. It'll be worth it. And I just want to encourage you and remind us all, that's our home. That's where we're going. And I ask the question, who wants to go to heaven? Are you here this morning? Do you want to go to heaven? I hope you do. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be worth everything. And it's going to be worth whatever you need to do to go there. If it means obeying the gospel, confessing the name of Jesus, and submitting to him in baptism this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. Or if it's that you just need us to pray with you, to let us do that with you this morning, so that when we leave this place, you know you will have done everything you possibly could have done to go there. So we're going to stand and sing a song, and if you need to respond to the invitation, won't you come right now as we stand and sing?